Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. The crescendo of spring is over and now the long, hazy summer days are here. Colour is the name of the game, whether in our blossoming borders, cute containers or walls of riotous roses. The climax of the gardening year has begun. The hum of mowers, smell of suntan lotion and sight of hoeing is all but too common on Saul and my estate gardens. Keeping everything looking lovely whilst balancing the time we have to spend on the plethora of jobs is one of the fine arts of any head gardener's role. But remember to take some time out to enjoy your efforts. Every week, Lucy and I will endeavour to bring you into our world throughout the summer, whether at Stonelands or East Donland Hall, in our own modest gardens packed full of fruit and veg and the odd exotic jungle, or on the road as we travel the country, enjoying the best this industry has to offer. So, settle back for another episode of Hijinks and Horticultural Waffle, as we take you inside the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Well, good evening, Mr. Walker. Uh, it is lovely to see you, not least because the evening sunshine is beaming upon oh. our faces. We're both looking rather, yeah, rather um, spiritual, uh, ephemeral, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, the evening sun is still in the sky. We're recording this at eight o'clock on a, a Wednesday this week, Wednesday. as opposed to a Tuesday, which has thrown my week out completely. I haven't got a clue what day it is anymore. <laughs> we, had to but, think, uh, we had to think yeah. about it, didn't we? We had to think we about actually when did. The, the day of the week was, because I uh, can't remember what we're doing half the time. Well, this is, this is a confessional, because you know us, we like to be authentic and honest and truthful. And uh, we've had a chat for about 20 minutes, and we've been a bit around the houses. And I think it might be one of those episodes <laughs> where <laughs> we talk about all sorts tonight, and uh, hopefully... Shoehorn it, shoehorn it together to be some kind of coherent episode. But um, apologies in the advance. We are um, on full throttle waffle. Well, I we've think, got lots going on, haven't we? Uh, you have the show in a few weeks. The garden has burst into life with all the rain we've had and now a bit of sun. I've got weeds coming out my noses, my toeses and my hair. I saw that. I didn't want oh, to say anything. It's crazy. It's crazy for weeds <laughs> out there. But things are growing uh, things are needing pruning. You know, it's that time of year. Veg gardens are going 100% at 100 miles an hour. Um, flower beds are going over, but you're chopping them back to get things back up again. It's that it's that time of year where you're sort of trying to get the maximum amount. We know we've got, what, maybe two and a half months if we're very lucky. If October plays, it's, it's going really well. We've got about two and a half months left till the winter kicks in properly in the garden, sort of goes into its reasonable slumber mode so we're just getting the maximum we're getting full throttle maximum out of what we can get in our garden space you are making me so jealous i have got massive gardening withdrawal symptoms because it is week what is it a week a week four of me being away from gardening which is just so utterly frustrating my tomatoes now in the top of the greenhouse have gone to pot i don't know i have no idea if i'm going to be able to bring them around or not there's a lot of side shooting to be done (laughs) let's put it like that and i haven't oh i haven't been to the hall firstly because i couldn't drive but also now i now thankfully i can drive i'm going there this week i'm going um in a couple of days time to actually have a chat with the one of the daughters which will be so good because i've missed that i've missed the garden massively and i i I don't think on friday i'll actually be able to garden i'm still I can't, I was saying to you before, I don't think I can trust myself to go there and not undo the progress that I've done because I'm still feeling very tender 
And I know that at home, if I do, if I lift a pot up that's too heavy, you know, in the kitchen, I did a casserole tonight, I could feel it straight away. And so to be at the hall and, you know, try and do a day's work without undoing progress is going to be tricky. So I, I mean, I'm really, I am really missing, I miss gardening. I, you know, it's, it's my life. And as much as I, I've been well, doing the show garden good, and it's good sign, Lucy. Well, yeah, you know, I've been, well, I've been. My writing is okay because I can type. Thank God, I can type. So all my writing deadlines, I've been hitting them. <laughs> Everyone might be, all the all the people who commission me will be pleased to know that I've actually been submitting stuff early. They're like, well, what's going on? That's why. All your editors are, all your editors are thinking, what's going on with yeah. Lucy? She's on time for all the deadlines. Well, I'm early. I'm normally on time, but I'm actually early by quite a few weeks. At oh, the early, minute. and wow. that's just because I am literally just. just Try, trying to keep sane and uh, and do some work but um and i've picked i have picked fruit in the garden and i've been picking a few veggies but honestly it's minimal and i'm so bored and frustrated and i'm sorry to moan because i know it's getting a bit i'm bored with it now i'm sure the whole nation is bored with my yeah. flipping shoulder so let's i want to hear you talk to me and i'm going to live through you i want to hear what you've been doing practically at stolen's because you did mention something about cuttings before we press record and i would like to hear all about things like that yeah we'll we'll, we'll go on to cuttings because i think that's quite important but mostly i've been strimming i'm gonna gonna bore you i've been strimming quite a lot um uh just trying to get the garden time of it time of year well that's the thing it is everything is growing under miles now and just getting on top of it now means there'll be less to do we have the mower back Uh, the tractor is back at stonelands uh we got it back last week the one that went bang the one that went bang okay. and had been out for four months. So um, yeah, that a bit longer than bit longer than you. And I missed the tractor, but I also found myself because we've sort of managed to work our way around doing all the jobs without it. For the first few days, I completely forgot the tractor was up in the garage, and I started doing work without <laughs> it. Completely, you got so used to being without it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Forgetting, but uh, it's great to have it back, and mostly for the trailer because I can now. If you've been to Devon or if you live in Devon, you know we just have hills. Everything is at an incline. So having something to drive things up and down an incline is much better for my uh, uh, fitness. Well, I don't know. Is it good for my fitness levels? No, it won't no, be good for my fitness levels. I'll be putting the pounds back on that I've lost through it'll climbing give you a rest. every mountain. It will give me a rest. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the tractor's back, which is great. Uh, and we're, we're starting to uh, look at cutting the meadows down. So that'll be the next big job. Uh, we've also oh right lovely yeah we're also doing a lot of hedge trimming that is the u uh the the formal u hedge trimming is all being done and it's beautiful when you've done it it's all a bit shaggy Mm. little shaggy monster and then you get those crisp lines in and the garden just love it buzzes it it sort of um it's a bit like putting the stripes in a lawn uh we've talked about this before uh on this podcast it's that sort of um cherry that bit of icing the board you know you put in the, the lovely stripes on a lawn and it just makes everything around it sing. It's the same when you get the sharp lines on a hedge or a bit of topiary, you get it done. It suddenly just makes everything else around it look a million dollars. So um, yeah, it's great to yeah, get that wonderful. done. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. So that, we've been doing that as well. Um, lots of mowing. Like I say, the grass is growing under my hours. Lots of weeding. Um, the problem is... I wish what we had was rain, then a nice intense bit of sun because hoeing, and I'm sure you know this, hoeing in the rain doesn't work. No, <laughs> you just sort of move no, the weeds around um, and replant them in different places. It's like transplanting, basically, exactly. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. uh, we've tried to keep hoeing, but it doesn't really work. So I've been down on my hands and my... What about your sheen? Have you been Well, that's it. What about your sheen? Could you use that in the woods? Uh, I was about to say, yes, we've been we've been flamethrowing, but I, I've also been um, out with the hori hori, my good old Japanese weeding knife, actually doing mm. a bit of hand weeding. It takes a long time, and I know why people find it in the bigger gardens. It's quite tricky. You know, it takes a long time to go through the border. But if you've got a bit of spare time, there's nothing more cathartic and zen-like than going through, say, one little piece of a border, hand weeding, because you feel so much better when you've done it. And you know you've got those annoying little bits of root and bowl bills and all bits out permanently, rather with the hoeing where it's sort of a bit more of a you may not have got it it's all, a 50 50 you know what i mean yeah do you know i i am like you i absolutely i prefer so much hand weeding and i am i i'm always um, gonna choose the option of being on my hands and knees and with a hand fork and my knee pads or a kneeler getting like you said because you can be so thorough and actually you do find that if you give a, a bit of really thorough weed over it can be clear of weeds visibly for a fortnight that's to me the sign of a really good um, session of weeding whereas hoeing I often find that as you say especially if there's any moisture or if your hoe blade isn't sharp or if the weeds just get a, an edge of root back into the soil if I say if it's if it's damp um, yeah you can very easily hoe an area over and then go back even like four or five days later and there's a regrowth yeah. already so um, as you say it takes a lot longer but it's it's really satisfying I do feel like a, I've spent I feel like a cat in a litter tray that's what I describe. I describe myself as when I'm going like, to go on my knees, weeding with my hands and scrapping around. Because often I, I find my hands the most effective tool. I really do. And right. I'll, I'll hand weed, and then I'll if I'm getting up leaves and stuff in the autumn, I'm often will comb things through and comb the soil. I okay. use my hands a lot. And yeah, that is that is how, that is what I relate to. I know how a cat feels in a litter tray. <laughs> Do you know, <laughs> so scrapping about. It's, it's, I don't know what. It's a bit weird, isn't it? This year has sort of taught you what the opposite of last year was, and I'm trying to re, trying to think which I prefer because there are some things that were great last year. The hoeing and the weed control was so much easier, but then this year, uh, just seeing all the growth and the vegetables are doing reasonably well after a, a reasonably yeah. dry start to the year, you know that I'm like as well. So. We do need to have an amalgamation of both of the types of year into one and get back to a proper summer. But I don't know. I don't know whether that's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in autumn. We're still, we're still, you know, are we going to have a long autumn? When Might be beautiful. Will the storms kick in at some point? We'll get frosts like we had last November. It's quite hard to plan, isn't it? This is one thing I, I'm finding quite difficult, I think, as a head gardener these days, is to try and plan when to actually do things because what's great this year is I've been able to plant trees, shrubs, move herbaceous mm-hmm. around in August, uh, you know, end of July, August. That generally doesn't happen. That's a quite a good luxury because I can get ahead of what I would usually be doing maybe mid-September, maybe into October if the weather's still good. So that's great this year. But then I've got to think, well, that's not going to be every year and it may not happen in autumn. So Planning is 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 uh, a fraught mission these days, but I guess that is just the way it is, and something we're learning. Um, you know, something I guess those that are new to the profession are. You know, it's just the way it is these days. But um, I'm hoping I'm hoping for. A, we've had a, a dry summer. We've had a wet summer. Next year will be a perfect summer. That's I'm gonna put my uh, <laughs> put, put myself out. That elusive limb. thing. Yeah, we'll we'll see. 
Yeah. Um, we've got a few people to thank, Lucy. Oh, that's nice. Um, I didn't we've know had, that. We've had a few donations on the Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, oh, you wonderful folk. Fo- we're, always, we're always very grateful. Um, now, the first one is... Now, where can I... Where is he? Because it's Ben. Here we go. Now, his name isn't Ben. Now, Ben... <laughs> I should call him Ben because his name's actually Tim. <laughs> Sorry, this is very confusing because Tim has donated to us quite a number of times. But what he doesn't realise is that it comes up with his name as anonymous. So I have no idea who he is. Apart from I get an email address and his email address has Ben at the start. So I've been calling him Ben for the past year and a half. But his name's actually Tim. So... so <laughs> We've got to thank Tim. If you're not confused by that listener, then uh, I don't know what. <laughs> so. Anyway, Tim, Tim has written, Hi, chaps. You always refer to me as Ben, but it's actually Tim. Hi, Tim. Uh, the climbing spinach has not climbed. Oh, that's interesting. So he has the Malabar oh, spinach. The Malabar. And he notes it's a tropical plant. It did take a while to get going, uh, Tim. So, Do you think he's got it outside and therefore it's going to Be- take a lot longer, yeah. especially in this weather we've been Because mine's under glass. Yeah, mine's yeah. a glass as well, and, and is about six foot now. It's brilliant. I love it. It's. I hope to get Good. it every year. Can you get the seed? Uh, so, sorry, sorry, Tim. We're just going to go aside here. Can you get the yes, seed off it? And the red, the red form comes true to type, and so does okay. the green. So just wait for it to flower, and then collect the seeds and store them. And they, yeah, they germinate they really well. The, the girls at Audley have had loads of self-sown seedlings thrown up. So it's yes. Once you've got it, once you're with it forever. Slightly invasive. No, don't. No, I, I like it. I like it as a plant. So uh, I think I'm going to grow it every year. <laughs> anyway, he says, "Love your work, Tim." So thank you, Tim. And I know you've donated about four times. So we're really grateful. Um, we've also got S- Steve and Caroline. Now, Steve and Caroline have asked about Tregrain Gardens, which is down my way. You might hear about it as the Tregrain Plant Fair, which I think is one of the best plant fairs in the whole of the UK. So they're right. I was interested to hear about the Tregrain Gardens. I was a gardener at the local hotel and guest house next door. Uh, until 20 years ago when they moved to Somerset. Well, it's nice to meet. I don't know which one's the gardener, Steve or Caroline, but very nice to meet you. Did I go down the U-Tunnel? Now, I did. Now, the U-Tunnel's quite famous at Tregrain because it's U-trees that were meant to be topiarised into a nice walkway, but they forgot to do them over, I don't know, looks like 50, 60 years. (laughs) That's quite some memory lapse. (laughs) Well, yeah, someone's forgotten to do them, that's for certain. But they've developed into these, uh, they're a good, what, 30, 40 feet high, and they've developed into a tunnel, which you can walk down. And I like it because it's that serendipity that you get in some gardens when you might have forgotten to do something. And it can happen in a year, it can happen over many years. But the result is much better than anything you planned in the first place. So sometimes those happy accidents or just forgetting to do something in the garden is not the end of the world because the result may be better than that thing you thought in the first place. So this is a good a good example. Anyway, Steve and Caroline say they listen to the podcast with great interest. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Steve and Caroline. One last one is Liz. Liz Adams. Love the podcast. Thanks for the advice on gardening. Cooking. Uh, Oh, right. She likes the cooking. Oh, I can give you another one this week, Liz, if you like. I think we might put a cooking segment in this a bit more. And she also likes the reading. She likes the books we advise. And she's enjoying those. There's really only one book you need, uh, Liz. And we all know what it is. (laughs) It's Keith Wiley's Woodland Book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are other books available. (laughs) 
Anyway, thank you everyone for donating. Uh, it keeps us on the road, as we've said in the past. And it it's does. just lovely to hear from people. Um, is, we're so yeah. glad people still like listening to us. Can I give Liz my, my recipe of the week if she'd like one? Should we go for We might as well. After it's very seasonal. Yous, let's go with what you've been doing with your vegetables. Well, this is actually fruit because oh, okay. the peach harvest has come in. Mm. Uh, and it, it, oh my God, it's come in with a vengeance because I've got over, there's a, well, there's over 80. I, I think there might be nearly 100 fruits on this one tree. And they're all what, peaches? really. peaches? Yeah. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Wow! When you when That's my be peach... the most you've ever had. This is the this is the, we've had one good year before, and this is on par with that year. And they are right. amazing. I, I'm at the point. The, the thing that these peaches do is they ripen pretty much all at once. So within a fortnight, they'll all be gone. Um, but what I do, and this is for Liz specifically, because it's an it, it's it's an insanely easy but amazingly delicious recipe, and it's so simple. It's poaching the peaches to preserve them because there's a huge big glance. Right. And then yes, there's a there's a nothing. So you need to. You, there's no way you could eat yourself through eighty, ninety peaches in a fortnight. You'd uh, do all sorts of trouble to your intestines. So what we do is we I poach them. So I wait till they're perfectly ripe. I put them on the windowsill and wait till they're absolutely to the point of being on the cusp. They've got to be really fully ripe to yeah. get the best flavour and the best moisture levels and best sugar. Then I half them, destone them, and then I quarter them and peel them, which is really simple because they're so ripe the skin just falls off. And then again, slice them maybe into so eighths, uh, eighths, and then I put them in a in a pan with some water, with a, quite a good amount of sugar and some lemon juice. Poach them really gently for about fifteen minutes, and then I let the whole I scoop the peaches out. Then I let the liquor reduce down even more, boil it off on a rapid boil. And then I put it through a sieve and put it into the peaches to keep them lovely and moist. Put the whole lot in the fridge and then you can freeze that if you want to. But honestly, the taste of them, the tenderness, the velvetiness and the lovely hit of lemon with these peaches balancing the sugar out is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So if you have a peach glut... So it's a sugar syrup. It's a sugar syrup, yes, with a little bit of lemon. preserving them in essence. Yes. Yeah. And how long would, would they last? I know you said you could put them in the fridge. but uh, Sorry, in the freezer. Yeah. But if you put them in the fridge, how long would they last in that sugar syrup, do you think? Um, they probably would last a week, but they tend to get... Because um, I've just got a batch in there now, and I think they're going to disappear within right. a few days. Because we have them with yoghurt. Uh, and my autumn <laughs> raspberries are just kicking <laughs> in. And I do a, <laughs> a Melba sauce... With the natural yogurt and the peaches, and um, I sprinkled some sunflower seeds on them today, and it was very nice. So, anyhow, there's a go. Poached peaches Liz, is uh, is my recipe today. All around to Lucy's for poached peaches and whatever cream. <laughs> oh, that sounds delicious. They're lovely, and they're just, just so good. Honestly, fr fruit is really we've um, stolen. I've just um, harvested the damson. Uh, I must have. Again, a hundred damsons off there. I really like. Uh, I do like plums, uh, but I do find they go over quickly. I find damsons actually stay like damsons. <laughs> they, you know, they don't go over as quick. I, I really yeah, like damsons. They're firmer, aren't they? Yeah, much firmer, mm. and I just find them a little bit. I like tart fruit. I like a really sort of sour orange or sour apple, that kind of thing. So I find damsons. Mm really suit my taste buds and the other thing that suits my taste buds and every year i look forward to this because i know you can't you can't get in the shops you can't get in the shops you really can't find them anywhere and that's mulberries when the mulberries are ready Ooh, at stonelands nice i am covered in my face it looks like i've gone through i don't know <laughs> um if you watch carry the film you'll know uh what i was gonna say like. yeah um <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just covered in mulberry juice. That's such a good mental image. It's me and the wasps. The wasps love the mulberries as well. And I tell you what, they they won't get them. 
I'll sting the wasps. I, I'm as ruthless as you the wasps. You should see the look in his eye, guys. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, if you if you want that. if you want to grow a future tree, fruit tree for your family, stick a mulberry in because once they start fruiting, you will love it forever. Great, great fruit. Um, yeah, and then yeah. plums is obviously on the go. Apples. Now, I don't know if you've... I know you haven't been to the hall, so you probably haven't looked at the apples. I don't know what your apples are like at home, but I'm actually starting to think we're having a good fruit year. They look pretty full. They're swelling nicely, and we've got a good set on uh, the ones I... Yeah, I've been looking at in the last few couple of weeks there. I've got a new um, self-fertile Cox's Orange Pippin, and that's... I'm really pleased with that. That's done brilliantly. I can't wait. For, it's not quite ripe yet. I think I'm going to need to give it another three or four weeks, but it's... I can't wait to eat those. They look perfect little apples. Oh, quite big. Mm. Well, your big apples, they are a good size. And again, it's like we said last week in our greenhouses, I've sort of noticed a lot less pests on the tomatoes and, say, the aubergines, the chilies. I think it's the same for the outside apples. That you Like you say, they're much cleaner this year. I do wonder if that start to the year was good for them, you know, less insects around, uh, and they haven't been as disturbed. So I think we're going to have quite a good yield um i won't be throwing as many sort of on the ground for the badgers or the orchard fairy as i call them um so yeah i think it'll be a clean year well maybe the um maybe the uh some of the fruit pests has just got because if you know if they overwinter in the soil as pupae or you know some kind of cocoon mm. or, or whatever it might be maybe they got you know a dent their population got dented severely we know the fruit aphids didn't because they were all over the shop mm. in the spring but um maybe other things you know cotton moth sawfly whatever it might be um, pear midge, all that kind of stuff. Maybe they just had a bit of a sharp shock in that November blast of the cold we had. Yeah. So come back in September when we harvest. I might. We might do a live taste test on. Uh, that's what that. <laughs> there we go. That would be. Are you going to get slurpy? Quality podcast material. <laughs> I was. Yeah. We'll have to make extra noises. Extra Lots slurpy. of crunching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So come on, we need to talk about this propagation because we don't actually talk about it an awful lot, especially cuttings and like that. I love the we thought of yeah. doing autumn cuttings. You know, August is a brilliant month for taking cuttings. So, so what have you been doing? Is it the, the Penstemon Classic or is there other stuff in there too? It is. This time of year, it's time to start thinking because again, like I said a bit earlier, we've only got about two months, about maybe two and a half months of hopefully good weather uh, to actually just keep on gardening. So it's a great time to start taking cuttings of those plants, which I would call the sort of semi-hardy things that you're a bit worried about losing over winter, maybe to the cold, maybe to the wet, lots of combinations. Uh, and it's just good to have a background. So you've mentioned penstemons, but things like salvias are pretty good at this time of year to get those going. Um, also, some of the shrubs are pretty good at this time of year. Hydrangeas, really good time to take off some of the side shoots for hydrangeas. Uh, and a few other plants. And also uh, thinking maybe in the long run some hardwood cuttings, but you would do those more in the winter. But yeah, so basically go down to your plants because you'll find penstemons, salvias, they've sort of put on quite a lot of flower and they're just starting to go over. But as a reaction uh, to the lack of flower and obviously the hormones changing, they're going to start sending out a lot of side shoots. The other way to stimulate this is, and I've done a lot of this uh, in my herbaceous, is to cut the plants down and you'll get a secondary growth coming up that's really good on salvias uh, maybe some lapitas and things uh, that have flowered earlier and you're going to get a second flowering on but either on those newer stems or the side shoots take some nice uh clean stems uh hopefully not flowering although if they are flowering you could just nip it off the key about taking the flower buds is again due to that hormone reaction if you tend to put uh cuttings in that still have the flower they don't tend to root the hormones aren't there for them to put a, 
uh, on new roots. They tend to just keep flowering uh, and then they tend to run out of energy and your cuttings won't root. Good, uh, good two, uh, two or three nodes cut at the bottom of the node, uh, two leaves. Sometimes if it's a big leaf, I cut them in half. And then, yeah, just stick them in uh, your compost, maybe four to each corner if you're using a square pot. Put them under your propagator. And by the time the end of September comes in, you should be having new roots that you can sort of pot on and then overwinter in a in a greenhouse or in a protected area. But it's a great way of both protecting your new plants. But then if those plants are grown, then you've got lots of plants either to replace into spaces or you go and sell them if you're opening for your garden next year so it's well worth getting out there and doing and it's a great way just to keep your propagation skills going because i think these are the more easier types of propagation you're almost you could stick them in water and they mostly would start to uh to root you know some people have these fancy propagation units now that uh um, i'm trying to think what they're called it's a hydro the vitapods those sorts hydro, of things yeah those kind of things where you stick them in a sort of uh, rubber gasket and there's water being sprayed and like rock wall, isn't misting it? units and stuff so if you want to go down that route do but uh at this year you don't really need to do a huge amount maybe a bit of a hormone rooting powder if you really want to get them kicked off and yeah loads and loads of plants sedums sedums another one great one to take at yeah. this time of year yeah. they're almost uh they're almost foolproof. See, if we were going hammer and tongs at the hall, what we would be propagating would be things like, um, as you say, the, the penstemons, because we've got a lot of those in the hot and cold border and we invariably lose them uh, through the winter. So it's always a fantastic insurance policy. Yeah. And um, there's not many salvias that we have that I know at home, uh, because I, I love the late season colour, they're brilliant to grow. Our chrysanthemums, actually, we will take some um, chrysanthemum cuttings because we've got these uh, lovely... Um, display chrysanthemums that produce huge, big uh, pom-pom style flowers, the recurved and the reflexed and all those sorts of sort of exhibition style chrysanthemums. So we'll take cuttings of those if we were attempting to kind of like bulk things up. And um, yeah, like I say, it's a, it, I think for people, it is a great insurance policy. So um, we had that cold snap in November and a lot of people who were, you know, dabbling with exotics and tender plants who hadn't taken cuttings were mm. had their fingers burnt. So salvias uh, oh um pelagoniums as well our pelagonium collection we always yeah. would yes. take cuttings to um have as an insurance policy because if it is really really cold and you haven't got a frost proof glass house the simplest thing is to pick up your tray of cuttings on that frosty night and take them indoors temporarily but the big plants in pots are not quite so easy to transport so it's a it's a really versatile way isn't it of ensuring that these slightly more tender plants get through and i imagine so going back to the hardier stuff your lovely collection of hydrangeas at stonelands you could bulk those up readily mm. with all your with wonderful cuttings at this time of year Do you know hydrangeas are really e i find them so easy to take cuttings if you get sort of those semi-ripe uh, stems which should all be you know especially the side shoots at the moment I, I literally do not put them in compost mine have been sitting in bottles of water for the last two three weeks and i'm starting to get little roots as soon as i start seeing those little nodules of roots then i'll whack them in the compost and i know then i've got rooting going on because one of the worst things with cuttings and i know you everyone's very tempted to do this after a week or two you just start sort of playing with them to see if there are any roots <laughs> and the worst thing you could do is you suddenly start are you saying that's what we do pulling them out Fiddle with and them. you pull the roots off, don't you? <laughs> but if you put them in the water, <laughs> if you put them in the water, at least you then you can see those little roots forming. Put them in, you know the roots are starting. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised how um, you can get a nice big shrub within about two to three years from a hydrangea. And they're not cheap. 
things, those big shrubs. And if, especially if you see some nice colour morphs, go to friends' gardens and see if they've got some nice colour morphs, start actually asking for cuttings. Nothing better than going to see friends with a few uh, cuttings in a bag and exchange them for something else to give them a go. And oh, it's definitely. free, isn't it? Yeah. That's the point. It's, it's cheap. You know, I think a lot of people think that uh, because we're in big estate gardens, obviously our owners have a little bit more financial freedom, that we want to just go out and buy everything new, you know, get the plants. But mm. actually there's a big part of us as gardeners that are still quite frugal, whatever scale it's out. But mm. we also want to keep our skills going. We want to see how far we can go with propagation uh, and see what plants uh, we can we can work with. But also it's just making a lot of stock that you can use later, that insurance policy. That's the main thing, I think. So, yeah, get out and do a bit of propagation. The other thing you could still do, it's getting on a bit late. You can still sow biennials, I'd say, if you want to uh, sow Lunarias, uh, Honesty, Foxgloves. Get mild in. place. Yes, yeah. I, I'd say still get them in because they might be small plants, but mm. uh, if you can get them up to a good crown, even a small crown, you'll still be able to whack them in and you'll still get a, a good display for or next trans- year transplant any that have self-sown because that often will happen they maybe will be sort of self-sowing from um june july onwards depending on the the species and when they flower but actually um if you can get that root system up before it gets too advanced transplanting them to where you want them to be is uh is a really satisfying thing and because we have had uh, predominantly a lot of rain and the soil is relatively moist in most parts of the uk um mm. transplanting stuff around now would be relatively straightforward there's no it's not like it's the, the soil is not powder dry yet i mean i don't know what the weather's going to be doing it well it's meant to actually still be quite quite rainy isn't it so um yeah yeah transplanting them around i just want to we'd mentioned those those shrub cuttings and that just just to give people the heads up about mm. things that they could maybe take cuttings of at the moment which are easy and then some of that are slightly more challenging and what we always do in those situations is to say to people take a lot of cuttings and then you might you know find that 50 percent of them root and it's not anything you've done wrong it's just the cutting yeah. so things such as if people still want to grow box box is a semi-ripe cutting is really straightforward and also things like um wygelia is is quite easy from cuttings as well. Yeah. And ceanothus, I've found, actually root really readily from cuttings. I do find hebes a bit more hit and miss. I think because the the genus is so diverse, some hebes are much more reluctant to root out than others. But could you think of any others that might be more of a, you know, for beginners or more advanced propagators to have a dabble with at the moment? Do you know, if, if, if things like the, um, uh, the hebes uh, and philadelphus, and some of those plants, the early summering shrubs, they can be slightly difficult, generally because it's a bit woodier. Um, if you can find the really fresh growth, uh, the tips of hebes are a lot easier. Uh, but I would say if you're struggling with actually taking cuttings, like uh, cutting them off and using them, try layering them because that's a lot easier. So take a long stem. This is a lot easier with Philadelphus. Hebes, again, depending on which plant you've got some are longer some are quite stubby and short just take a stem bury it next to the plant and then by next year fingers crossed you should get uh rooting so that's a good way over it but philadelphus all those some um sort of early shrubs but as you said the evergreens as well so box privet you you could do some of the yew clippings you're taking. If they're quite young, you can actually get those to root as well. And you don't have to actually uh, get them going from seeds. That's a nice way of bulking up yew as well. So uh, there's plenty out there to yeah. be done. Lavender, Lavender is good. 
I find lavender is quite readily roots. Rosemary can be a bit more stubborn, but it's just because it's yeah. slower. So, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's. You can get a wonderful hedge going if you bulk up. That's that's a great thing with a lot of these plants. They make excellent hedging plants. Um, so you know, and the beauty of propagation with cuttings is that you can take hundreds of them, and um, and that takes up a relatively small space whilst they're rooting out. So it is a and I say an exciting thing to do and, and also a bit with our thrifty head on as well. I, I know this isn't for everyone, but this is where a bit of protected growing helps, especially towards the end of the year. So we've already discussed on this podcast how much our, we joy our greenhouses bring us. And it's not just the, the fact that we can grow our lovely tomatoes and our exotic plants, but it actually just gives us an extra few weeks and a little bit of protection to do this sort of propagation work and actually uh, have a bit more success. That's not to say you can't do it on your windowsill or maybe in a cold frame or a, a, a protected alcove or your porch, but just having those greenhouses makes it really, uh, you, I don't know, it makes it a much nicer, and you just get more success. You just feel a bit more like you're, you're succeeding at it. So yeah, mm. you've got something to do this weekend. Get out there with your secateurs, take a few cuttings. Uh, you know, you'll only know if you try. Uh, and if you if they don't succeed, you'll learn what doesn't work and what does. So uh, get out and enjoy your garden. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. If you'd like to contact myself or Saul, we're free to chat on our social media platforms. I'm on Instagram at headgardenerlc and you can find Saul on Twitter at Gardening Saw. Any review you'd like to leave us via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Long summer days are the high point of any gardener's life, as we'll spend all the hours of the day enjoying our outside spaces and the plants that bring us so much joy. Gardening at this time of year is such a great pleasure, and we hope to keep sharing this all summer long. And so, until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Goodbye! <laughs>